Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to yet another version of the Boys Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hen. It is a Doughboys week, uh, but I am thrilled to announce that I have a guest host with me this week. Guest host, you want to say hi to the crew? It is your doughish substitute for Matt Michael. I'm I'm trying to get there on the dough front, so give me a few more months. It's that's probably not a uh, not a good New Year's resolution to make. Most people go the opposite <laughs> way. <laughs> it just means I'm going to enjoy my uh, first quarter of the year. There you go. Yes, you got to do it somehow. So, well, yeah. Welcome to the pod. Thanks for filling in. I know uh, Matt's on on vacation, uh, and now that now that the cat's out of the bag, uh, congrats to Matt and Kim. You know, from all of us, that's uh, was definitely exciting to get to do that on the pod. It's been funny to hear everybody's reactions now that they've listened. Although I, I'm pretty sure I can say that uh, Tommy and Angad have not listened to this point because they have not texted Matt. So that's right. Uh, we're doing their homework for him. Yeah, exactly. So if anybody was ever curious about the question of which boys don't listen to the pod, there's your answer. So and I'm pretty sure, too, Austin said that he even tried to encourage Tommy to to listen to it and uh, haven't heard anything yet. So what's the phrase? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't force him to drink, I guess. Yep. That's where we stand. It is what it is. I I cannot imagine why you would not want to listen to an hour and 15 minute podcast about fancy football. Hey, it's less than that when you put it on one and a half speed, too. So <laughs> we try to pull out all the stops for you. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, Dylan texted Matt about the news before we even published the podcast last week. So uh, that was how quickly he listened to it. <laughs> I, I think he probably has like notifications not for when it's published but for when it's starting recording and <laughs> yeah he hacks in somehow yeah no absolutely so before we before we get into the meat of the podcast i'm curious uh i always kind of like to do a little recap of what josh sloan talked about and then we can have our own little conversation and they can recap sure. recap us but so i found most interesting their conversation about uh getting drafted and like hearing about whether or not, you know, if the United States were to enact a draft that we were, you know, eligible for whether or not we would, you know, follow through and and allow ourselves to be drafted. So I'll pose you the same question that they posed each other. If, if the U S were to, were to uh, enact a draft, would you, would you go to war or would you stay home? I, I mean, I'd prefer to stay home, of course, but if I got drafted, I would really try to game the system to get myself out of it. So, like, for example, my grandpa on my mom's side, super tall guy, wanted to be a pilot, and they're like, sorry, you're too tall to be a pilot. And so he got more or less, you know, shoved into some back office role. That would be my goal, to find something that does not fit my you know, any of my characteristics. So that way it's them telling me no, rather than me being a wimp and saying, you know, I don't cool. want to be here. So yeah. if, I, I mean, if the U S army needs some help on their accounting team or something, you know, that would somebody's be the end goal. That's right. You know? Yeah. Somebody's got to do it. I feel like it's, it's like, it's pretty different, different now. Right. Like I, I don't know what a draft in 2024 would look like versus what a draft was in the past. I mean, I, I think it used to be they just played like, you know, numbers on the radio and yeah. you had your number that you were assigned. I think it was actually based on your birthday. So they just, they announced 
the dates. And so like for me, if October 12th got called, I would just be shitting myself. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I get I, nervous enough when I'm playing mega millions and watching the live video of the numbers getting announced. So imagine if it's not mega millions, but actually getting to go get shot at somewhere. So, uh, yeah, I I'd guess be very I just, I have like a very elementary understanding of like what war is like right now, because I, I don't like, it's not the same as it used to be in terms of like, I'm sure there's not like frontline battles, like, you know, where you're in the trenches, but I, you get what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't feel like wars are fought that way anymore. So I don't really know what drafting, getting drafted would mean. Like, yeah, maybe it's just a new group of people you get to like make TikToks with and stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. I see a lot of that to be honest. So yeah. Uh, War looks pretty fun if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. I, who cares about getting drafted? I'm volunteering. Yeah. I've been trying I've been trying to go viral for years. Maybe this yeah. is what I needed to do. Just throw some camo on and you're set. <laughs> I think I would look good in camo too. <laughs> they would need so, a lot of it though. <laughs> <laughs> so would you want to be drafted then? No. Definitely okay. not. <laughs> definitively no. Okay. Definitively no. Uh I think if I really supported the cause, I would maybe do it. Like if I really thought that we were doing the right thing in whatever, you know, whatever war we were entering. And I thought it was a righteous, you know, war. I would, I would probably allow myself to be drafted, but outside, like without, without like actually supporting what I'm going to fight for, I would have, so Zero what's a will. righteous cause? Let's see. Like if you I, get to be on the opposite side of the battlefield from like Mitch McConnell, January <laughs> Sixers, is that like the ideal opponent? <laughs> um, like a little civil war action going on here. Yeah. Uh, we'll make a Marvel movie out of it or something. I know. I know. That's intriguing. But I feel, yeah, I, I guess maybe. I don't know. Like I... I, I just guess I can't even fathom what that type of war would look like. So, uh, but yeah, I guess, I guess maybe that's the answer. I, what I had more in my mind was like some, you know, some government is, is committing like human rights violations against their, their people or, the, you know, some other people. And we were going in to stop them, I guess, you know, similar to totally. a Holocaust type situation. But yeah, I don't know. That's an, I, I had not thought about that. That could be an interesting dilemma. The the reason I find it intriguing, the question is because my uncle was actually a draft dodger in mm. it was a Vietnam, I think. Um, he didn't he didn't support it. He was drafted. He dodged the draft. But back back then, dodging the draft meant like you literally just went on the run. Like you just he he lived in a cave. He lived in a school bus. He lived like you know Man. in in the forest like he just literally had to go off the map uh because they would come to my grandparents house looking for him and so he needed he needed them to not know where he was and he needed you know the government to not know where he was so he was a little bit of like a hippie like he was just you know peace well, kind of guy like if he spun uh, it the right way it would sound like he was in the war you know if, if i go up to him and say no what what was being in the war like he, he could have said you know it was crazy i had to sleep in a cave in the forest exactly. so 
he just worded yeah. it the right way and he, he's braver than yeah. everybody else actually totally yep yeah he sacrificed a ton uh you know some sacrifice all all sacrifice some so that's right i would say he sacrificed some uh but anyway yeah so he's he was kind of an interesting character like getting to hear stories about all the places that he uh he lived to avoid the the draft draft people well if any of the boys listening are trying to dodge the next draft you know do the things like turn off find my iphone you know do the simple yep. stuff yeah yeah get rid of those air tags that you have right. in your wallet you wouldn't want you know those to be found i think it would be way harder nowadays i don't think living in a school bus or living in a cave would work yeah i mean living in a school bus probably gets you on some list right that's yeah you know <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> and you can't go within like 100 feet of all schools so yeah know, choose wisely <laughs> yeah and anyway that's interesting i'm curious to hear uh hear the rest of the group's thoughts on getting drafted hopefully we never have to actually make that decision but um i guess you never know so that's right could go any direction so uh let, let us pivot here into um what, what you guys actually come to listen to us for uh some hard-hitting fancy football analysis so we're now two weeks into the playoffs we're going into our final week uh of of the playoffs of our season really before we crown on our third third champion uh and it's uh, I'm I'm just glad it's not it's not decided yet. We're not at a point where we you know we know who's going to win. So um, before we get into kind of analysis for week three, what were your thoughts on on the week two uh, performances? Yeah, I mean, I hate to say, it, but I, I feel bad for Josh again. Uh, not just one week in week fifteen being a, a poor week to start the playoffs, but a second week in a row. Um, I'm pretty sure he was projected to be the highest score of week two in addition to week one. So, um, you know, talk about everything going the wrong way once again for him. Um, totally. But also got to acknowledge Tommy showing out. Um, you know, he was a couple points away from finishing last in the first week of the playoffs. So him finishing first by a decent margin in week two has really um, – you know, set us up here now where he could be the winner. Um, so a close third place in week one and now a clear first place in week two yeah, uh, has him knocking on the door of potentially three Pete. So, yeah, I, I told Josh this last night. I feel so bad for him. Like I never thought that I would ever feel bad for Josh in in a fantasy football setting. Uh, but man, like he has done all the work and he has gotten, just absolutely screwed over by these these playoff performances like he's he got outscored by multiple non-playoff teams last week right like uh, i think both Anget and i both outperformed him uh you know by a decent margin uh last week and it's tough too because like sloan dylan and tommy all finished within, you know, what is that, 13 points of each other? Like, they were close. Like, they were all very competitive, but they were just all light years above Josh. And it just, it's tough for him because, like, it's not even injuries. Like, it's just his best players. Every week, it seems like three or four of his best players go for, like, season lows. <laughs> um, like, yeah. Stefan Diggs with 5.4 off eight targets. Like, he was involved in the game plan, but just got nothing. 
Cooper Cup was 7.9 on 12 targets. Uh, Travis Kelsey, 6.9 on seven targets. And then Devontae Adams with the stinker of the week with 0.9 points on six targets. Yeah, I I feel bad for Josh. Yeah, I I mean, I I was talking to him yesterday too. I I think that's a good thing that we have in place where uh, every playoff team earns some amount of money because to get completely screwed over on your prize by the volatility of these last three weeks of the season. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't feel totally fair. Obviously it adds to the fun and the suspense of things, but um, you know, I think that's a good reason why you would at least want to compensate every playoff team because they, they earned it over the course of the majority of the year. And yep. it's a little less susceptible to these one week stinkers by supposedly good players. Yeah. I totally agree. And I just uh, like his, his luck has just been, been pretty terrible. And he was like stumbling a little bit into the playoffs. You know, he wasn't necessarily the hottest team going in, but I I really did expect a better performance from this team. And uh, to just, I mean, to already be eliminated, to already be at the point where he's, you know, benched his entire lineup, uh, you know, for this, this next game is, is wild. Like, it's pretty I, wild I think, to have a, a tanking scenario in the playoffs. Totally. It feels unprecedented. Yeah. And it makes, again, just like with the snares in the regular season, it makes sense. Why would he have any incentive to play play his roster right now? Like, without, I mean, first off, how poorly they've done, but also, you know, just with, with being completely eliminated, there's no there's no point. And, I mean, these other these other three playoff teams have really proven their, their medal uh, through these first two weeks. Um, you know, with the ones that they put up and it uh it's gonna lead us to quite a you know, quite a last week, I think. Um yeah. when it comes to playoff scenarios. I can run through those scenarios briefly yeah. for us. So Sloan's got the the easiest path, both in terms of you know, he just has to beat one person, but also uh he can get help from Dylan, uh should Dylan choose to not tank. So um keeping in mind that Josh is tanking, you know, there's only three spots first, second and third for this week to be finished in. Um, So Sloan, first of all, just needs to finish better than Tommy. That's the easy version. Yep. Um, Now, if Tommy finishes better than Sloan, but Dylan finishes first, then Sloan still wins since he's uh, a point and a half above Tommy. Tommy needs that, uh, that two point gap to form. So that would be that five points for first place yep. and jumping down to three points for second place. So, you know, Tommy really just needs to finish first. And that really is his only um, outlet unless Josh were to stop tanking and um, possibly throw another team into the mix. But, um, you know, Dylan has a bit to play for, not as much obviously as Sloan and Tommy, who are the only first place eligible teams remaining. But Dylan, um, if he finishes, um, two points or above uh, Tommy in terms of table points, he can claim second place. And he does uh, have the tiebreaker on Tommy already. And that's with this week to go. So obviously if he finished better than Tommy uh, this last week, he would uh, keep and maintain that tiebreaker. So um, that would look like Dylan finishing first and then Tommy either finishing second or third. Um Either of those scenarios, though, where Dylan finishes first, he um, 
would end the playoffs in second place. So a good bump up and pay for him if he can pull that off. Um, you know, if we look at projections, I know we had the Thursday night game already happen, um, but looking ahead to the the majority of the games remaining, you have um, Dylan projected higher than both Tommy and Sloan. Tommy and Sloan are bro- both projected right, you know, right in line with each other. So, um, you know, it's setting up to be a week where kind of anything can happen. Dylan being projected uh, currently to win this week uh, adds a, a nice little spice into it. Uh, so I think all kind of scenarios are in place still uh, based on Thursday night's results. Yeah, I totally agree. Can you, uh, can you remind me too? I know we talked about in the group, maybe what the different payouts are uh, for each of the, uh, the spots. Do you remember that off the top of your head? I think I remember. So you have third and fourth place, both earning 60 bucks. And so that for that reason is why Josh can tank this week. There's no monetary yeah. gain by gaining ground on uh third place versus yeah. fourth. So um that is like that's hundred percent the right call by him to tank. No monetary sure. gain and you're improving your draft pick. Then uh second place, I believe I wanna say it's hundred twenty. Um so double double that of um of third and fourth place. Um, let's see. I'm scrolling through here. I'm trying to remember. I think the winner gets 240. Does that sound right? Um, let me see if I can do it quick. For some reason, I felt like it was 220, but that may not. And then the thing you also have to consider. Um, oh, I, looking here, it says it's 360. Actually, so. That's quite the jump. So second place, 120. First place, 360. Okay, yeah. Um, so that is a pretty... I guess one thing to consider is given that Sloan is, you know, can't finish worse than second, potentially does he make any sort of deal with Tommy and say, you know do we want to split this at a different payout ratio than just the default payout? Yeah. Um, You know, a win isn't guaranteed, but if I can guarantee the payment I'm going to receive before week 17 starts, then maybe you do that. Um, Yeah. If I were Sloan, I think I would stick it out and just, you know, stick with, uh, you know, the regular payout. And I think he's got a lot of scenarios that help him. I do too. Uh, feel good about his position. Yeah. I think, uh, especially now that we know that Jalen Waddle is out for the Dolphins this next week, that gives a huge boost to Hill and Mostert. Uh, totally. Just, you know, by having one less option in that offense. So, yeah, I definitely feel good if I'm slow going into this last weekend. I think, I mean, lots of, I, I like that there are multiple options available for us here. If you were in Dylan's spot, would you be? setting a full lineup to try to try and go get that extra money or, or would you be trying to protect your draft spot? I think I would go for the extra money. Um, yeah. At this point, you you're going to be eighth, ninth. And so, you know, a late, uh, yeah. a late in the round for each round. I feel like you've already been surpassed by the, the top, top tiers of available draft picks. So, yeah. Um, like, you know, if I got paid 60 bucks 
to move down one draft spot. That's a no brainer for me. So if I were him, I I would at least try. I mean, it it is setting up well right now. Um, He's projected to finish top of the table for this week. And that's all he needs to do to come in second place. So, yeah, I mean, just maintain projections at this point and you've jumped 60 bucks up. So, yeah, no, I totally agree. I think uh, that that's totally fair. Um, who, uh, who are you predicting to, uh, what do you, what do you project predict as the, as the final, uh, you know, playoff order after this next week? So I've got obviously Josh in fourth is straightforward at this point. I'm going to go with Sloan winning Dylan in second and Tommy in third. Yeah. Uh, A bit of a cheap answer to have since that's what projections suggest, but I just feel like Tommy has really squeezed all the juice out of his luck to even get to where he's within arm's distance. But I just think that probably, that probably runs out here. Um, And Dylan off to a strong start already doesn't help his cause. Yeah, Um, no, I totally agree. So you exclude Uh, Sloan's performance. And I think that alone makes it hard for Tommy to pass Sloan up. So what about you? I, I, I agree. I would say Sloan first, I would expect Dylan to be second, Tommy third, and, and Josh fourth. I looking back at the first week of the playoffs, how big was that? You know, Jalen Hurts interception uh, on the last <laughs> play of the game that dropped Josh behind Tommy. Because if Josh doesn't do that, you know, if Josh's team doesn't drop behind Tommy and Tommy seeds another table point to Sloan, you know, this right. is probably a whole other conversation that we're having this week because what that would make it a two and a half point gap. Yeah, so you'd be looking looking at Sloan at 8.5, Tommy at 6, Dylan at 5, and Josh at 3. Yeah. Um, So Josh would have a shot at uh, second place. He wouldn't have a shot at winning at that point. But, um, you know, second place is definitely something worth uh, trying for. Yeah, so we would have all four teams in it, but it also is probably a much clearer path for Sloan to the title because right. you know he's got it would just well that would force it to be Tommy finishing first and, and Sloan, Sloan finishing, finishing last, last, I believe. Yeah, all all because of one interception, and you know what in week one ended up accounting to. Let me see if I can even do this mental math here. Less, you know. Yeah, like one twenty five point eight six to one twenty seven point five two. Like that that is the gap between, you know, this this current scenario where Sloan has has paths where in which he loses to, you know, a scenario where he, two very unlikely things have to happen at the same time for him to lose. So Yeah. It, yeah. It's just funny how quickly it changes that first week of the playoffs, you feel like, all right. I may have had a bad week, but I've got two ahead of me and I can still make a push. But once that second yeah. week is over, you know, it is the complete opposite. Now it's already, we're down to two people left and it's looking unlikely for person A versus person B. So, yeah, no, I totally agree. Do you think uh, if Sloan wins, he's going to be un- unbearable on a scale of one to 10? How unbearable do you think he would be? If one is completely bearable and like Tommy, <laughs> yes. And 10 is like Sloan from the past two years, um, but not this year. Uh, I would say I would go probably an eight 
Okay. Yeah. I think he realizes some of the luck you have getting to this point. And I think he could acknowledge, you know, the better depth that somebody like Josh or Dylan has. But at the end of the day, it's going to be Sloan getting to to raise the trophy in the cash. And I'm sure he will make that note. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I've i actually really enjoyed listening to him on the pod this year. Like, I think his, yeah, I think like all of our awareness of how the league works has changed significantly from, from the first year. And I, he's, I just feel like he's very in tune with his team and with, you know, with the league. So I, I agree that, you know, it's uh, definitely improved from previous years, but I would agree. I think eight is a, is a fair Fair assessment. I don't think anybody will ever have to wonder who won the third year of <laughs> the Dynasty League. That will right. always be top of mind for us. And I mean, so. it's fair to be like, I would almost expect re- like whoever wins to be like at a five. Yeah. Because that's totally. the point of winning is to be a little obnoxious. Yeah. Or, you know, to have that right. But totally. I know Sloan's willing to turn that up a few notches. Yeah. This is just, I, I don't know. This is awesome. Like, I love how, I, I hope that we're able to maintain this and that in like 10 years we'll be, you know, thinking back to like who won the first, you know, first couple of boys league championships and like see where Sloan and Tommy's teams are, you know, in 10 years and stuff. Like, I hope that we stick it out. Uh, That's right. You know, that's our founding fathers after all. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, anyway, yeah, I, I, it'll be a fun last week. I'm excited to, you know, be paying attention and I will say from a non-playoff team, man, it is nice to stop caring uh, for a little uh, bit about how your isn't team it? is doing. <laughs> three <laughs> less just, weeks of stress. Yeah. Three less weeks of stress to be, to know you're not going to Waffle House. Like it's all, it's all great. I did talk to Colin last night. He did say that he's uh, starting his regimen to expand his stomach to, be able to take in 22 waffles in two hours so that does for me that just sounds like a medical catastrophe coming so colin if you're listening maybe scale this back by just like two hours yep you know nothing crazy but i think those extra 60 to 120 minutes could save you a trip to the local hospital so yes i would agree keep that in mind start saving money for a for an er visit um, yeah, that's right. The rest of us will be there, so you won't have to get an ambulance at least. But uh, yeah, that's you'll probably want to earmark some money for that come April or May. So he did say that he's looking to do it like late spring, early summer. So we have a little bit of time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He wants to wait for it to heat up a little bit just to make his stomach yeah. expand all that much more. So exactly. Yep. It's right on. Move. So yeah, we'll definitely, uh, you know, once we get, get through the, um, you know, through the playoffs and, and, you know, through some, maybe some early draft pods, we'll have to bring him on before he goes to give, you know, give his final analysis of, of his thoughts on, on Waffle House. So, um, yeah, as we transition to kind of our last segment here, uh, Mike came up with a really awesome idea, um, to kind of close this out with that ties into ties into the new year. So you want to give, uh, give the group a rundown of what we're going to do here. Yeah. So, given that we're heading to the end of 2023 here, I thought we would just give everybody our, our award show sort of set up uh, with our picks for uh, certain superlatives uh, throughout the league and kind of look back on 2023 as a whole. Um, so we've got 
roughly a half dozen categories that we'll run through. We've got the best fantasy manager, uh, and that'll be our only manager award. And then from there, we will run through the players that are, uh, one, the biggest disappointment, two, the MVP, three, rookie of the year, four, the best draft pick, five, the best waiver ad, and I'd almost call it 5B that plays right off of that, who is the worst player to be uh, dropped to waivers. Not the worst player, but uh, what waiver drop ended up being the worst uh, in hindsight for whatever manager did that. So, Totally. Uh, I want to say, too, going into this, I, first, Mike did a lot of work to compile all the, the, the names that we're considering, but, uh, you know, definitely we'll have probably a couple that, that we that we miss here, so feel free to chime in in the group me with some some other thoughts for for names that uh that you should have should be considered for these awards so um first off and we're gonna let you guys know who who mike and i consider our candidates before we pick who we think the winner is so that we can kind of do a brief uh a brief run through of each of the the candidates that we're considering so uh first off you want to run uh run the group through who who our candidates are for best manager of 2023 Yes, so we got three candidates. We've got Josh, Brian, and Sloan up for this award. So 2023 Best Manager. Um, I'll let you start and explain why Josh uh, is on the board as a candidate. Yeah, definitely. So um, I think there's lots of reasons. Obviously, I think Josh has done an awesome job in, you know, over the past year to year and a half of compiling uh, the most well-rounded, the deepest team, uh, you know, both for winning, you know, theoretically right now and also for, for winning in the future. Um, I think one of the the key highlights was maneuvering himself to be able to, to have the number one pick in last year's draft to go get a guy like Bijan Robinson. I know Bijan has been a little frustrating at points this year, but I, I still think, you know, if we redraft, uh, you know, Bijan is still probably number one, maybe he's number two, but, uh, you know, he's still definitely up there. Um, I mean, he's got the best at, at almost every position. There's there's no reason that he should, you know, be in as bad of shape as he is. It's through no fault of his own. Uh, but, you know, to to go acquire some of the names that he's acquired is impressive. Like, you know, he added in this year alone, he added uh, Devonte Adams. I believe he added Stefan Diggs this year as well. I'm double checking the date. Yep. He did add Stefan Diggs this year. Um, he added uh, CD lamb this year. You know, he had a couple other players as well. Like I said, getting the number one overall pick was Jalen hurts in 2023 that he got him. I was end of last I think year, that would but last year. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, just his management of his roster, you know, keeping, you know, all these all these QBs, you know, available. Uh, I, I think he's done a nice job and and the results don't justify the the effort and the, the quality of his team. Definitely. Um, well, I, I didn't want you to have to brag on yourself, so I'll, I'll tell you why you're also in contention for manager, manager of the year. I'm, um, I'm honored. It's a pretty impressive development story because I thought that I was not the biggest fan of your team. Um, I'd say in the first half of 2023, but as the year progressed, you just made move by move that uh, put your team in a better place. And so just a few examples here, you know, last year or last season, Brian ended with guys like Debo Samuel, 
Devontae Adams, um, Kenny Pickett. And, you know, those are players that are perfectly fine. And um, in those wide receivers cases, they're, you know, elite players. But you turned uh, those three guys with the help of some picks here and there into adding um, Justin Herbert, T. Higgins, A.J. Brown. And I think you just made uh, Michael Pittman in there as well. I think you just made a, a good example of how to turn somewhat aging players or what you might consider some mediocre players um, into a roster that's now both young and kind of elite at the same time. And I think we saw that as the the regular season went on, you started to put up a lot of these high scoring weeks and um, it makes me a lot more confident in your team going forward for sure. Yeah. I really appreciate that. I I think I've talked about this on previous pods, but I feel like I kind of had a moment early on this season where I realized that for the first two years of the dynasty league, every trade was on the table for me. And like, if the value was there, I took it. I felt like I just, the goal was just to constantly like win trades and win value. And what I feel like I ended up with was, you know, some, some nice trades that I felt like I won and some good players, but like a roster that didn't really fit together, that didn't make a lot of sense. And it just, it was a roster that felt like kind of haphazard. And then of course, obviously there were multiple trades that I completely failed. So like deals that I thought I had gotten a lot of value out of ended up in, you know, turned into to really bad deals for me. So I, I feel like I changed my strategy a little bit early on this year where I was realizing that like I, I needed to go get players, you know, to your point that were, that were young, but also were able to allow me to compete right now. And that I felt like, you know, I feel like I have a starting lineup that I could three years from now have only maybe one or two changes in that lineup. And it's still totally. be a quality, quality lineup. I need to build, build depth. I've completely gutted my picks, you know, to make this happen. But I, I appreciate that. I, I think that I've, you know, I've executed the vision that I kind of set out for myself. And now it's, it's about building around the edges. So uh, you would take that versus the other way around. It's like, I I definitely want to have the studs and then build depth first. Cause as we've seen from like Sloan and Tommy, a lack of depth does not keep you from the playoffs or contending, you know, as we see for a a championship. So it's definitely the first one of the two to take care of. And I feel like too, like I'm not last year. I, I think I truly had really terrible luck this year. I think I had a normal amount of injury luck and, and, you know, uh, just bad situations. Like, you know, both my starting quarterbacks are now out for the year. Brees Hall got screwed by the uh, Aaron Rodgers injury. You know, I had Debo Samuel that was out for like three or four weeks. T Higgins has been either out or in an offense that just can't seem to figure itself out, you know, like half the season. Um, but it's like none of those players I think are bad players or, you know, like are, are no longer relevant. So I just, I'm very hopeful that, you know, if two or three of those go the opposite way next year, you're never going to have a season where you have zero injuries. You're not going to, never going to have a season where you have, you know, zero good players have down years. But I think if two or three of those go the other way next year, I could easily be a playoff team. So totally um, agree. That's that's my hope. I appreciate that, though. 
my our our third uh, contestant for this award is Sloan. I think uh, Sloan is in this conversation for a little bit, maybe a little bit different reason uh, than Josh and I. Um, to me, I think it's criminal to not include the manager that was at the top of the table more than anybody else. Uh, he made some good picks with you know guys like Jameer Gibbs. Um, he made some smart you know start sit decisions, and also I think there's a benefit to just like he didn't get you know get anxious and pull the trigger on on deals or you know players that that didn't make sense for him. So um, I don't necessarily think it's about you know the quantity of moves or anything like that that he made, but just you know very consistent top of the table team. So I feel like agreed. Deserves consideration. Absolutely. So, so ha- having said yeah. all that, who who is your pick for of those three? Who's your pick for manager of the year? Um, my pick for manager of the year is uh, is actually Josh. I I don't think that he has gotten the results that a manager of the year deserves. But in terms of like he made the right moves, in my opinion, it just did not work out for him. So he is my twenty twenty three manager of the year. I am right there with you in the same way in basketball that you want to get good shots and it doesn't mean that it will go in, but you just want to get good shots. I thought Josh took the best shots, so to speak throughout the season. That is a, that's a great analogy. I think that's spot on. So uh, moving on here, our second award is the biggest disappointment. And then this, this award we're talking about specific players or, you know, types of players um not managers so we're we're definitely not talking about entire teams in this um but uh yeah so i'll quickly run through uh our nominees for the award and then uh you can you can pick one that you want to want to jump into so our nominees for biggest disappointment uh player for this year and this is this is our biggest category so bear with me we have tony pollard damian pierce all of the falcons skill receiver skill set you know skill position players uh, Deshaun Watson, Austin Eckler, Devontae Adams in the second half of the season, and Garrett Wilson. So, which one of those do you want to do you want to jump into first? Uh, mainly because this will tie back to what we started the pod discussing. I think I would like to choose and discuss the Falcons' offense first. Yeah, you know, I made the joke about who would Brian want to line up against in a battlefield to make him want to go to war. Arthur Smith like has to be near the top of this list, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, you having Drake London, uh, Dylan having Kyle Pitts, those are two guys that, you know, in a silo, they are clearly capable of being just absolute tier one players uh, for their respective positions. But just the bad quarterback play, the offensive scheme and the offensive, I guess, play calling and decision making, it is all lined up for these guys to just be handcuffed. Um, you know, but I think beyond anything people could imagine, Kyle Pitts is going to finish as tight end twelve ish on the year. Um, Drake London is going to finish as, you know, barely like a top forty wide receiver, and I, I think both of those are just really kind of uncharacteristic for what their skill set would you know suggest they could do otherwise so um given that the falcons uh staff and quarterback play has affected multiple players i i'm taking the easy answer and saying that the falcons 
passing game is the most disappointing, um, I guess, fantasy performance this year. Yeah, I agree. And I think, too, like, when you look at Kyle Pitts specifically, if you go look at Jonu Smith, the other tight end in Atlanta, <laughs> his yeah. production, like, if he, most teams don't support two tight ends, two top 20 fantasy tight ends because he's 19th uh, currently. Mm-hmm. He had 63 targets, 47 receptions, 553 receiving yards, and a pair of touchdowns. So it's like, obviously, if he was not on the team, it's not a one-for-one translation. It's not like all of those go to Kyle Pitts. But you've got to think at least half exactly. of those targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns go to go to Kyle Pitts. And Pitts easily becomes a top six fantasy tight end, if not higher, without that. So it's just like, I mean, John Smith is 28 years old. Like, he's not a part of the Falcons' future. It's like, why is he there? Why is he this big? of a of a option in the offense like he did well obviously but it's just it's frustrating as fantasy managers to sit and watch him get as much it's like he was he placed does. on that team just despite all the believers in the falcons other totally. players crazy and i think i think too like Bijan is another example of a player that got totally screwed by that falcons offense like he should never you know like you i mean you mentioned it, but like just he should never be in that bad of you know, straights in some games and like for Tyler Algier to still be borderline fantasy relevant is, <laughs> is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Tyler Algier should just be that guy where you're holding him thinking like, well, if Bijan gets injured, but no, he's actually totally. like maybe playable on a lot of weeks. Yep. Totally. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to kind of lump two of our candidates together and that's uh, Tony Pollard and Damian Pierce, just as, as running backs that coming into the season, you felt like had the rare opportunity of being a bell cow back in their offense in, in decently good offenses that had no excuse not to put up huge years. And both of them, I think really left a ton to be desired for Dylan. Uh, I think it was probably difficult for him all year to decide, you know, who was getting the start. Um, I was trying to look back to just to see like what, kind of you know Tony Pollard broke out of the you know gates pretty strong this year and he's been better but like there was a huge stretch in the middle of the season where like he was just not giving Dylan the type of production that you wanted I I think all of us expected Tony Pollard to be like a top 10 fantasy running back and he he hasn't gotten there yet um and then you know kind of transitioning into uh um into Damian Pierce, like Damian Pierce has completely fallen off the map now. Like he didn't even get off to a hot start. Like he was rough out of the gate. I think he's only had two double digit performances all year and they were at 11.3 points and 13.4. So like just a really tough, tough year for Damian Pierce. And to me, like Damian Pierce just gives me so much PTSD about Elijah Mitchell where it's like <laughs> mid to late round running back that has a great rookie year. And you're like, the team has their running back. They don't need to worry about it. And then going into year two, he just gets, you know, committed like crazy. I mean, he's now getting 15% of snaps in Houston. Like he's irrelevant at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And, um, you know, I'm I'm looking back at our regular season scoring. Dylan ended up finishing tied for second place 
uh, lost that on a tiebreaker to finish the regular season in third, but he was only 11 points off of, off of Sloan's tally for the regular season. And I'm thinking if these guys just don't even perform these two guys that we just talked about, if they don't perform necessarily to the maximum of our expectations, but just perform better than where they did. I feel like Dylan could have been pushing for that number one spot over the regular season. Yeah. Um, And I I don't know if you watched um, the Cowboys latest game. Um, I'm trying to think of who they played. They played uh, the Dolphins. There was a play. um, I can't remember what it was. I think it was pretty early in the game. The Cowboys had uh, like a first and goal sort of situation, you know, within three or four yards. Yeah. They pitched it out to Tony Pollard and he just had to be a cornerback one-on-one on a race to the the corner for a touchdown. And he decides to cut it back, get stuffed at the line. And it was, first of all, it was baffling that an NFL player could not (laughs) make that play into the end zone. But I think that was just really representative of how this season has gone for Tony Pollard because, yeah, I mean, this guy should be like 70 yards and a touchdown, like waking up in this Cowboys offense, but it just yep. has not been that way. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. Ironically, uh, um, Dylan has other players on this list, too. Like, to, <laughs> I, I agree with your point. Like, I mean, if Tony Pollard and Damian Pierce both you know, are, are able to produce at that level. I think he's in a whole nother stratosphere and it brings us into, you know, another candidate. If you want to jump into Deshaun Watson here of another player on Dylan's team that, you know, he was relying on coming into this year that I just feel like has been very disappointing. Right. Yeah. A little, a little injury uh, stuff thrown in there, which isn't always the fairest when you're talking about biggest disappointment, but I think overall everybody was holding their breath after last season to see if Deshaun Watson would return to form over the course of a full season. And then, it, you know, just never materialized. So he scored, he, he scored exactly the, essentially exactly the same amount of, of fancy points this year as he did last year, six games, 90.58 points one year, 90.8 this year. That's like, tough. That is yeah. tough. And I think it's, it's extra bad when you consider it in the context of Dylan's, quarterback room because mm-hmm. Josh Allen obviously has been been steady but like Joe Flacco was not somebody he came into the season expecting to need to rely on Tommy DeVito <laughs> was not somebody he was expecting to need to rely on he thought he had a starter in Jimmy Garoppolo seems like Garoppolo probably ruined his last chance at starting at least for a while Carson Wentz you know is a career backup at this point Zach Wilson is a career backup at this point like He's now all of a sudden in a little bit of, you know, a tough spot with quarterbacks, you know, especially, I mean, I, I don't necessarily expect the Browns to move on from Deshaun Watson this off season, but like, I don't think that many people would blame them if they did. Yeah. I mean, when Joe Flacco has looked as good or better than you did in your playing time, then a question yeah. at least has to be asked. Um, I think it helps Dylan out that he, was able to not trade away his first round pick for this year because maybe then he's able to boost that QB room um, with a, a late round pick. But yeah, uh, I swear we didn't decide to pick on you, Dylan, but it just happened to fall this way. Um, and kudos to you st- to still performing this well with totally. several of these disappointing players. Yeah, totally. Do you want to choose our next player to give a quick recap on? 
Yeah. Uh, Austin Eckler. I, I won't say much here just because I think we're all aware of you know, how disappointing the Chargers offense has been as a whole. And I mean, the season as a whole, and I'm sure Matt could give us 30 good minutes on this. Um, but Austin Eckler just, you know, out, absent a few um, strong weeks throughout the season, just did not put up the touchdown volume and just the yardage volume that we would have thought he was capable of uh, and that he's, you know, proved to be able to do over the past several seasons. And, um, you know, we even had those moments within the last several weeks where it was rumored he may be getting benched or being put into more of a timeshare yeah. and uh, age 28, not being a ground and pound sort of running back. I think we all would have thought he had a few more years left being able to specialize in his niche, but um I guess that's just the name of the game with older running backs is that they aren't all built the same and some might fall off before others. And I think that's what's happening here. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Do you think that there's a chance that, that Eckler is not irrelevant, but like, do you think Eckler is startable for Josh next year for the majority of the season? Let's call it. I think he's probably startable. Um, just based on Josh's remaining running back room, I guess you would say his best remaining running back after Bijan would be uh, Kamara, probably. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely room for somebody like Eckler to start maybe a third to a half of games for uh, somebody like Josh's team. But um, that's a different tune than what you would have expected to say, which is, oh, Eckler's like the first guy in my starting lineup every week. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would agree. Uh, that whole offense has been frustrating. Um, another candidate, kind of a weird one to toss in here, but I just I, I thought it was kind of funny, you know, looking at his production this year. Devontae Adams, for about half the season, to me, has been an incredibly disappointing player. Like, he has had his huge weeks, his boom boy weeks, uh, as, as the other two like to call them, um, where he puts up, you know, 36 or 18 or 12 even, you know, 17, stuff like that. But here are some of his other point totals uh, in in games where he played at least 90, you know, we'll call it at least 70% of snaps this year. So 9.6, 6. 6.5, 3.9, 9.2, 1.6, 9.8, 8.8, 0.9. There, that's just like, to me, like, that's the production I got last year from Donovan Peoples-Jones. Like... you would hope to be able to rely on seven plus fantasy points from him and like Devontae Adams is just a player that you cannot take out of your starting lineup because even in those games he got eight plus targets in almost every game like he is involved in the offense he just has not come through you know in in a good amount of weeks this year and I think it really hurt uh you know, I mean, it hurt me when I had him. It hurt Colin for the couple of weeks he had him, and it's definitely hurt Josh. Uh, yeah, you know, down the I, stretch here. I, it's funny you say it that way because I think his disappointment was spread over the course of the season, and each person that acquired him thought to themselves, "All right, now he'll he'll rejoin that elite elite group that he's always been a part of," and it just yeah. kind of never materialized. So yeah, and the thing is, like, I think if he ends up in New York next next year, like. I think he's back to being a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. Like, I think he's still got that in him. I just think mm-hmm. the turmoil in, in Las Vegas this year has just been too much for him to be able to overcome. Totally. So, 
any other candidates you want to run through? Uh, I guess in the interest of time, I'll, I'll go ahead and move on. I, I think yeah. there's definitely like five to 10 other guys that totally are very worthy candidates in this category. And, um, it makes sense that this is the biggest category given how many players, uh, fit the bill there. Yeah. Um, so looking at MVP and I guess we Ooh. can speed this one up since it's a pretty straightforward category. Real quick, who's players. your who is your pick for big disappointment player? Oh yeah, who biggest disappointment. Um, my actual winner, I think I would go with Tony Pollard. Yeah, um, just because we've seen like the Cowboys' offense is legitimately elite. Uh, you know, for most weeks, yeah, you would expect the bell cow running back for that type of offense to just be a top four running back or so, and it's just not happening. Yeah. I would go uh, probably Damian Pierce because I think the uh, he has had a meteoric uh, drop uh, here in the last you know last ten weeks or so to now being maybe even not rosterable. So, uh, but yeah, not good news for Dylan's running back room. So something's uh, in the water down there in Texas. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So who are your uh, MVP candidates? I agree. This is probably a quicker one for us. So we've got Tyreek Hill. Christian McCaffrey, Raheem Mostert, uh, Boiler Up, and Kyron Williams. Um, you know, those first two, Tyreek and McCaffrey, are those are like the obvious ones, right? Just the two guys that anybody would want on their team. Really, the guys that can single-handedly win you a week. Then you have Raheem Mostert um, and Kyron Williams. I think these two guys are on there, not only given how well they've performed this year, but also given you know, what price would have been to acquire them kind of how we previously thought of them. They're two guys that um, Tommy and Sloan respectively probably weren't relying on, on a week by week basis. But the fact that they were so, so good throughout the season is what propelled Tommy and Sloan to reach the, the spots that they are in the standings. Yeah, I would, I totally agree. Who would you choose as your, your MVP candidate? Um, Given what I just said, I think I would actually pick Raheem Mostert. I um, like that. I mean, in all actuality, it probably is Tyreek or McCaffrey, given what they do. But, you know, considering that Sloan was expecting nothing out of Mostert, and he's now sitting on, uh, what, 21 total touchdowns, 18 rushing touchdowns. I mean, this is the ultimate example of striking gold and i think Mostert um gets the extra nod given that he used to play for daryl hazel so totally yeah that's that's called overcoming adversity that's right dude. <laughs> yeah uh my pick is is cmc just from you know just the reliability in terms of of you know points week in week out but i i would call Mostert my my most improved so um i think those are those are great Great options. So, uh, similar type idea. Who who are candidates for rookie of the year? We've got Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, and CJ Stroud. So we've got three different positions here. Um, this is different than the best draft pick category, which will come next. But rookie of the year, purely which rookie do you think um, you know performed the best? Maybe Bijan should have been in here as well. Um, but have it down to Laporta, Gibbs, and Stroud. Uh, 
who do you give the nod to there, Brian? I I think I would have to go with CJ Stroud. I know he didn't necessarily like, you know, he hasn't necessarily been starting for you a ton of the year, but in terms of just overall production, like he looks like the real deal. He's had some huge weeks. He's carried the Texans, you know, essentially to the doormat of the playoffs. Like I I, I think his production has been really impressive. I think Bijan just again because of the you know uncertainty of that offense has you know disappointed some weeks and it's hard to overlook that. Um, Jameer Gibbs got off to a bit of a slow start. He's definitely turned it on you know recently here in the last you know last month or two. So he definitely looks looks good and has a lot of momentum. Um, and I'm I'm obviously saving Sam Laporta for another one. I think he's a he's a rookie of the year candidate definitely. But I think Stroud has been has been my rookie of the year. What about you? I would also pick Stroud. Um, you know, I, I think Gibbs would have been the easy pick here had he gotten this level of involvement and in playing time the entire year with the Lions offense. Yeah. Um, but given that it only happened in the last kind of 60% of the season, um, just have him fall short a little bit. But yeah, I think CJ Stroud was one that, you know, he was actually a little underrated coming into this year, given all the weird rumors about how he tested over the off season, um, you know, the Texans were outright bad last year. So was he enough to really lift this offense up? And I think he's been a revelation in real life and in in fantasy. So um, yeah, he's my pick, but lots of good candidates this year. Totally. Totally. So transitioning a little bit more into not necessarily rookie of the year, but just given where they were picked in the draft, who are our uh, best draft pick candidates? So we have two returners from our prior category, Gibbs and Laporta. Then adding on to those, we've got um, a Shane, a chain, however you want to pronounce it, um, from the Dolphins, and then Tank Dell uh, from the Texans as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll go ahead and kick us off for this one. Cool. Um, for me, there's two two tier one picks for this category. I think Laporta and Dell are probably the two choices that I would uh, choose from. You had Sam Laporta being drafted in the, in the back of the second round. Um, I'm still salty that Dylan was able to get him right before me. Um, But then um, tank Dell going in the mid fourth, a great pick by Josh at the time. He's instantly become a top 25, 30 receiver. Um, in terms of, I think, value in the league. So um, I personally would side with Tank Dell, just given that it was, you know, in the range where you're just kind of picking throwaway picks. And, um, you know, Josh, Josh really struck gold with that one. Yeah, I agree. That, that was a really awesome uh, pick. And, and honestly, like, Tank Dell was the type of player that I uh, never – never considered when we were doing our pre-draft stuff. Like I, I yeah. would have expected Tank Dell to go on undrafted. Like I, I knew nothing about him. I didn't think he was, you know, had any chance, especially going to the Texans. I was like, he's going to get lost in that mess of, you know, Nico Collins and John Mechie and Robert Woods and all them. Um, and then he would never be able to break through, but he, he definitely has. My pick is, is Sam Laporta just because of uh, like how valuable an elite tight end is. And if Dylan has truly stumbled across, you know, uh, a top five fantasy tight end for the next 
next 10 years, I think that's pretty unmatched. But uh, I agree with you that I think he and Tank Dell are, are head and shoulders above the other candidates. Yeah, I, I think given that they're non-first rounders, they get that extra bump in value uh, when you yeah. when you strike well on those. Yeah, I would totally agree. So kind of a, a similar setup, our next category is best waiver ad. So this not only would include undrafted rookies, as in undrafted in our fantasy league, but also um, existing players who just have now found value um, at some point after their rookie year. So uh, our candidates here are Jake Ferguson, Keaton Mitchell, uh, Puka Nakua, and Trey McBride. So four guys, two tight ends, a running back, and wide receiver. Um, Brian, do you have any any picks for this category? Yeah, so uh, I I think the award has to go to Puka in terms of early season production. He got Josh off, Josh off to a really good start, and then Josh was able to translate Puka into probably the biggest deal of the season uh, to be able to get those three-star wide receivers, even if those three-star wide receivers haven't exactly helped him win a championship. Like, that is – that is, I, I can't even imagine – what I would have said if you had told me in July that Puka Nikua would be used as like a centerpiece of a deal to acquire those three, you know, Devontae <laughs> Adams, Stephon Diggs, and, and C.D. Lamb like that. I, I would have thought that there was like serious collusion going on in the league if that was the, if that was the case. So for him to co- totally come out of nowhere uh, to be picked up right before the season and then to have that kind of production and then be used to flip, you know, for players like that, I think he definitely deserves that award. Um, I'm going to go with a little bit of a, so he's the deserving one. Now I'm going to go with a little bit more of a fun one. I'm going to go with a little bit of a write-in candidate here and say Joe Ooh. Flacco because Ooh, Joe right. Flacco was retired before this year started. And if Dylan had not successfully gotten Joe Flacco, Dylan would not have a second starting quarterback for the playoffs. So Joe Flacco has kept Dylan afloat. Uh, as we've gone through, you know, going into this last week of the playoffs, and I realize that that Dylan, you know, is not going to be able to win the league, but uh, without Joe Flacco's pickup, uh, he would, you know, Josh would probably still be in contention if if uh, Dylan didn't have Joe Flacco. I like that pick. Not only did it fit a glaring need, but it's also the type of player you would want to pick up before they, you know, recover a lot of value. Totally. There's there's a little clip on Twitter of Joe Flacco, like potentially dozing off, maybe falling asleep a little bit on the sideline yesterday. So, um, yeah, crazy that a, a father of five at 38 is going out there and torching defenses for at least a half. So, totally. Um, yeah, I I think my pick is straightforward. I'll go with the boring answer, picking a uh, Puka. I think uh, credit to Josh if he hadn't picked Tank Dell in the mid to late fourth, perhaps he would have been picking Puka instead. Um, so congrats to Josh on his, uh, paid services providing good, uh, late round, uh, identified picks. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Puka just the story you said ascending from undrafted to now trade centerpieces and a top 10 wide receiver. I think, um, you know, easy to award him with that one. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And he's been able to stay healthy, which is something he really struggled with for, you know, when he was in college. So, um, right. 
totally yeah, impressive. So our uh, final award, worst waiver drop in terms of uh, the most, uh, you know, the poorest decision in hindsight. Uh, who would you consider as your candidates for worst waiver drop? I think it's appropriate and ironic, given that it's you and me on the pod today. We've got Puka <laughs> and Trey McBride. That's my short list. Yeah, um, I don't think it has to go beyond that. <laughs> and just so everybody remembers, Brian dropped Trey McBride, and I was the one who dropped Puka. Um, and Brian giving us a memorable manager memo during the season <laughs> uh, with his rant against uh, Trey McBride and uh, McBride doing Matt some favors. <laughs> so uh, given that, uh, wh- which one's the worst drop or are they just equally bad and we get to share in our misery on the pod? They're, they're really, I think they're both really terrible, but to me, like I'm picking Trey McBride here solely because I put so much time and energy into him for such a long time and to have it happen almost immediately upon dropping him (laughs) that he like, this isn't like I had him for, you know, a good stretch of time. And then a year later he breaks out. Like it was like two games after I dropped him that he, you know, and now all of a sudden they've done, you know, the Cardinals have done what I've been asking them to do in cutting Zach Ertz and they do it right after I drop him. So um, that to me is the worst. It's just frustrating too. I want to go. I forget who I uh, picked up by. This is probably just going to cause me more pain to go back and look to see who I was picking up when I dropped Trey McBride. But um, yeah, while you're looking up, I, I say that I I'm inclined to agree with you. When I picked up Puka, it was more of just kind of a a random spot in the late summer where I was just looking to fill my roster when I had a, a space come available. Um, so if there's a little less PTSD there with him becoming good after I dropped him. Yeah. Um, I, I do feel for you on the McBride front. It's definitely magnified the fact that he immediately started performing. It's not like he thawed out for a while and ramped up. It was just, they were just waiting for you to drop him. That's all yeah, they were doing. They really were. They really were. I feel like uh, to the um, the it, it brought back a lot of probably unresolved feelings, harsh feelings that I had for uh, Gabe Davis, just as like another player that I really believed in that I held for a long time since the startup draft. You know, dropped him because he was doing nothing, and then he has, you know, that massive playoff game against the chiefs Sloan's able to beat me out for him. And, you know, it's not that he's been a starter for Sloan this entire, you know, time since, but he's been a reliable player and, and just exactly the type of depth piece that I could use right now. So I, I feel like, uh, you know, a little bit of a sucker when it comes to waiver wire drops. So, um, yeah, yeah I, th- I would agree. those definitely hurt. I, I feel for it. And I think over time we will all, uh, all be suffering from that in some respect. So, yeah, I did. I, oh, yeah. Did ahead. you find it? I found where Matt picked him up. So I'm close. Uh, um, I'm, I'm right on your heels. So Matt dropped a Durham Smythe, the tight end from the Dolphins to pick up Trey McBride. I think. Yep. That in hindsight is now a trade off we would all take. Yep. Um, and so now you just get to listen to a few seconds of silence while Brian and I <laughs> find us. So Brian, for $0 of fab, 
you dropped Trey McBride so that you could pick up Logan Thomas. Now, ironically, Logan Thomas hasn't been horrible. Yeah. But it's just not even a close playing field as to what you'd be getting from if you had McBride. Totally. And it was because I was going into Jake Ferguson's bye week and I was still, you know, it was early enough in the season that I was still pushing for the playoffs. So I felt like I couldn't sacrifice a one point performance from Trey McBride, you know, in a, in a, in a, also candidly, I assumed that I would just be able to go drop Logan Thomas a week or two later and pick up McBride or whoever I wanted again. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that was rough, but thank God for Jake Ferguson because otherwise I would be even more angry. So that's, that's yeah. Jake Ferguson, best waiver ad candidate. So that's true. He's that's been true. that good. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, all is well that ends well, but that was a tough one. Uh, yeah. Any other, uh, any other thoughts on, on the year that was before we, before we head into 2024? Not really. Um, I would definitely encourage everybody to write in more candidates that we may have overlooked. Um, totally. And then just, I guess, one more observation kind of as we head into this last week, just, really ironic that it's played out this way, but we had a, um, you know, a regular season that resulted in kind of weird tanking drama to end the last couple of weeks. And now we are going to have a playoffs that even though it's reduced in size in terms of number of players, it also has some weird uh, tanking going on. So just uh, maybe when we look back, 2023 is like year of the tank or another creative name we can come up with. Yeah, it will be a very intriguing uh, rules meeting this year as we discuss, uh, you know, if, if, and, you know, what, if anything, we want to do, you know, do about, about that situation. So I totally agree. Well, um, until then, I guess, Colin, survive your uh, waffle hernia or whatever is going to come of this. And <laughs> uh, hopefully a 2024 Waffle House treats you well. Yeah. Definitely. So uh, for Mike and I, we'll, we'll definitely hop back on, uh, you know, after the season's over, give you some uh, some of that in-depth draft analysis uh, that we all love. Uh, I think you and I are probably already uh, already have our eyes on the top 10, 20 players, uh, if not more, uh, going into to the draft. So it'll be exciting to spend the spend the spring talking draft. Yeah, people can't see this because, you know, they're listening to, to a podcast and we're on Zoom, but I can actively see. Brian's hair changing into the style of uh, Brian McShay. And so he's, he's rounding into form already. So be ready. Yeah. This is, this is the time of year that I live for. So uh, yeah, I, I I don't play fantasy football for the actual season. I play it for the draft analysis. Rightfully so. Yeah. It'll be a blast. We'll definitely get some, you know, little mock drafts going with, with you, Matt and I uh, here in the coming weeks. So you guys all have that to look forward to, but uh, until then, Hope everybody had a great Christmas. Hope you all have, uh, uh, you know, fun and, and safe New Year's Eve and, and New Year's Day. And uh, good luck to all of our playoff teams, um, you know, that are that are competing for a title this week. So can't wait to see who brings home the third the third trophy. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Awesome. We'll see you, boys.